You're listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina, led by Pastor Jeremy Kobernack. It is our desire that you will be helped by this Bible message. Second Timothy chapter 4 this morning, we'll be reading verses 1 through 8. I will read the odd verses, and then I'd like for you to join me out loud on the even verses. 2 Timothy chapter 4, beginning in verse number 1, the Bible says, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing and his kingdom, preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heed to themselves teachers, having itching ears, and they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. Thank you. Amen. Let's pray. Father, we love you. Thank you for your word. Thank you for church. I thank you that we can gather and assemble together and be helped and be challenged, to be encouraged, uh, to pray for one another, to, uh, to see one another, and to try to help one another bear their burdens. I pray that you'd help us today to receive all that you have for us. Uh, help us not to miss these truths from your word. Holy Spirit of God, I pray that you would speak uh, through me and do what I cannot do uh, to help and minister to every need of every person here. For those who are listening on the radio, those watching online, I pray that the word of God would be spoken and I pray that it would be delivered with your power and with your authority. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you so much for standing. You may be seated. I started in this passage last week, uh, 2 Timothy 4, and I showed you, first of all, I showed you the reminder. It's found in verse 1, and the reminder is that Paul told Timothy, he said, I want to remind you that Jesus is coming back, and when Jesus comes back, he is going to judge the quick and the dead. That word quick is those that are alive. That would be, if Jesus came back today, that would be us, those that are alive, and those who have already died in Christ, they will all stand together before the judgment seat of Christ and will give an account. But I want to remind you that we are all accountable to our Creator. Uh, you can't live your life however you want to live. Now, some people do that. That's not the way you want to live because we will all appear someday before the Lord. We will give an account. So we saw the reminder. But secondly, we saw last week the refusal of people, the Bible says the time will come when people would turn away their ears from the truth and they would be turned unto fables. Now, now why would people turn away their ears from the truth? Because sometimes the truth hurts. Some of you experienced that this morning. I did. And I'm not talking about my wife, you know, telling me what I need to change. Some of you didn't think that was very funny. Maybe you did hear that this morning. <clears throat> wow. 
We might just need to have an invitation. Miss Phyllis, it's about time, right? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. But you got up this morning. I got up this morning, and I looked in this thing in the bathroom called a mirror. Ooh, the truth hurts. That's why you say, Pastor, you don't look very good today. You should have seen me before I spent 35 minutes trying to get this hairdo just perfect. No, it didn't take me 35 minutes, about 35 seconds probably. When you only have three or four you got to get in place, it's a lot easier, right? Brother Buddy, didn't take you any time this morning, brother, and it's looking good. You know, that, that's the hairstyle I'm going for right there. But you look in the mirror and, oh, I don't like that. But it's true. There's some things that need to be fixed. There's some teeth that need to be brushed, Right? Uh, there's a, a face that maybe needs to be shaven or a beard that needs to be trimmed or there's some hair you need to put in place. There's some work you got to do, but the truth is that's the way it is. And can I tell you, sometimes people don't like coming to church because when the Bible is preached, the truth hurts because it shows us things in our life that are not right, things that need to be fixed. And so that's why people will look for a church where nothing is negative, everything is all fluff, everything is pat you on the back. And by the way, I think you should come to church and I think you should be encouraged. And I hope I do encourage you. I hope you don't come every Sunday and feel like you're having to drag yourself out of here. But during the preaching and during the, the, the message from the Bible and during the Sunday school lesson that you hear, there will be some things that God will show you from his word and the Holy Spirit will speak to you and say, you're not doing it right. Or God will show you things in your life that you are doing that you shouldn't be doing or things that you're not doing that you should be doing. And that is what we need. We need the truth. The Bible says that I have a responsibility to reprove, to rebuke, and to exhort so you're going to get some of all of that but when you hear the truth don't get mad at the truth when you hear the truth say i'm glad i've got a pastor i'm glad i've got a church i'm glad i've got a sunday school teacher i'm glad i have a friend i'm glad i've got a co-worker i'm glad i've got a parent i'm glad i got somebody that's willing to tell me the truth you go to the doctor and the doctor talks to you and the doctor says we got a problem. The problem is you're overweight. I'm not going back to that doctor anymore. Who do they think they are? And then the doctor says, you know, I'm sorry, but little Debbie Snacks is not a good diet for breakfast, lunch, dinner, brunch, mid-afternoon, midnight snack. I'm sorry, but, but three gallons of sweet tea that you drink every day, that's just not going to work in the long term. Oh, I don't like that doctor. I'm going to go find me a doctor that'll tell me what I want to hear. Sure, you can do that. I wouldn't recommend it. I'd recommend for us physically that we deal with the truth, but then I would certainly recommend spiritually that we receive the truth and say, if God's word says it, even if I don't like it, even if I don't agree with it, even if I get upset about it, I'm going to yield myself to do what God has told me to do in his word because God never tells us to do anything to hurt us. He always tells us what we need to do to help us. God cares about you. God loves you. God cares about your marriage. He cares about your children. He cares about your relationships. God cares and God wants what's best for you. That's why he's given us the truth 
of his word. We saw last week the reminder, the refusal. We saw that Paul said, I'm ready. I'm ready to die. I, 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 if, if it means that, that my life ends today, Paul said, I'm ready. And then his recap, the, the, the history, the story of his life was, he said, I, I fought a good fight. I finished my course and I have kept the faith. I want that to be my testimony. When my time comes to die, I want to be able to say, I have done my best for Jesus. Now, I want you to look quickly at verse number eight. This is where I was trying to get last week and I didn't get there, but I'm there today and I'm gonna to try to get through it. Verse number eight. I want you to see in this passage a couple thoughts. Number one, I want you to see the reward. It says in verse eight, henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness. I want you to notice the reward. God promises in his word, he promises that there are crowns that we will receive when we stand before the judgment seat, we will receive based upon the things that we have done for Christ down here. So our theme for the year is living for eternity. But that doesn't mean that right now doesn't matter. That doesn't mean, well, I don't care what happens today. I just care about eternity. No, no, no. Living for eternity means that the decisions we make today are the decisions that are going to affect eternity. You see, we're not guaranteed that we've got another service we're not guaranteed that we're all going to be back here next sunday i hope we are if the lord tarries i hope next january january 2025 i hope we can still all be together and worshiping the lord and serving the lord and encouraging one another but that's not a guarantee god's given us today and that's why we have to take every day that God has given us and we've got to use it to invest in and live for eternity. What does it mean to live for eternity? Well, God promises rewards. He promises crowns for those who serve him. I want you to turn back a couple books in your uh, Bible to 2 Corinthians chapter 5. If you get past uh, Acts and Romans, you'll come to 1 and 2 Corinthians and I want you to look with me at 2 Corinthians chapter 5. Paul wrote to the church at Corinth, and he said in verse number, uh, well, let's look at verse number 8. He says, we are confident, I say, and willing, rather to be absent from the body and to be present with the Lord. What does that mean? It means when you die, when your soul leaves this body, you are absent from the body, but you are present with the Lord. Hallelujah for that. Aren't you glad that when a, a Christian dies, when a Christian uh, breathes their last breath, aren't you glad that, that you and I, we know we will be immediately with the Lord. I don't know all that's involved with all that, but I don't need to know it all. As long as I'm with the Lord, everything's going to be okay. But to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord. But verse 9 says, wherefore we labor. Here's why we do what we do. Here is our motivation. We labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. We may be pleasing to the Lord when we stand before him. Verse 10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Verse 11, knowing therefore the terror of the Lord, we persuade men. You say, well, what are, we, what are we scared of? We're not scared of anything because we're saved. But we're scared for those that do not know the Lord. Because we know that although God is a God of love, God is also a holy God. 
And God has told us in his word that because of our sin, we cannot get to heaven. And, and in order uh, for, for a person, when they die with their sin, in order for that sin to be dealt with, they must go to a place called hell. I don't want anybody to go to hell. I wouldn't wish that I'm my worst enemy. I, I, I wouldn't want anybody to go to that place. And by the way, neither does God want anyone to go to hell. That's why he sent his son. That's why Jesus Christ gave his life on the cross so that you and I can have eternal life. We can have forgiveness of sins. But that's why we labor because we don't want anybody to go to hell. We don't want anybody to miss heaven. We want everybody to know the good news. And that's why we labor because we know we will stand before God and we will give an account of the things that we have done. There's a reward promised. This word in 2 Corinthians 5, the word judgment seat, it comes from the word bema seat in the Greek. That was the place where uh, the runners, when they finished running in the Olympic Games, the, the Greek Olympic Games, they would stand before that place and they would receive their rewards. Now today, people receive the medals, right? The gold, silver, and the bronze. But in Paul's day, the reward for the runners that ran those races and won those races, they would receive something like a crown. Now, it wasn't a crown of gold uh, like a king would wear, but it was a crown that was, it was more like a, a wreath. It would be made beautiful, be made out of vines, and it would be placed upon the head of that runner. Well, obviously, that crown wasn't worth a lot of money. That's why the Bible says those crowns are incorruptible. Those crowns, you know, eventually that thing's going to fall apart. But we're not living for a, a corruptible crown. Did I say incorruptible? A corruptible, one that would corrupt. That's the kind of crown that they would place on the runner's heads. But we're not living for that kind of corruptible crown. We're living for an incorruptible, a crown that is eternal. A reward that will never, ever fade away. So we all have a race to run. Hebrews 12 tells us we are to run with patience the race that is set before us. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, Paul said, I therefore so run. He said, I don't run uncertainly. I don't run just like, you know, because. He said, I run for a purpose. I run for a reason. I run because I want to accomplish something for Christ. And he told us also in 1 Corinthians 9, in verse 24, he said, you and I must run also that we may obtain. Why do we run the race? Why do we live for Christ? Why do we serve God? Because the Bible tells us about five crowns that we can receive when we stand before the judgment seat. I'm going to give them to you quickly. I'm not going to have you turn to these passages. I'll, I'll go to these passages in the weeks to come. But for this morning, I just want to give you the list very quickly. Number one, the Bible talks about a crown of life. It's found in James 1.12 and Revelation 2.10. It is a crown that is promised for those that endure temptation, for those that endure trials, uh, and for those who are willing to give their life for Christ. We could say today, well, not many of us are going to have to do that. And by the way, I hope that's true. But did you know that in some parts of the world today, did you know there are people who are giving their life for Christ because of their faith, because they will not deny Jesus Christ, because they will not deny the Bible. There are people who are losing their lives. There are people who are being imprisoned and tortured today. If you ever have read the Fox's Book of Martyrs, it's a very sobering account, but it talks about those who were tortured for their faith and those who were burned at the stake and those who were executed. In Bible days, 
they knew what that was all about because in Bible days, the disciples, every single disciple with the exception of John, and John they tried to kill, but every single disciple lost their life because of their testimony in Jesus Christ. There's a crown of life that is promised to those who will be faithful, uh, those who will endure, those who will not quit when it gets tough, and ultimately for those who are willing to give their lives. You say, well, pastor, how do we know if we'd be willing to give our lives for Christ? Well, first of all, I don't think we ever know until we're faced with it. I would never want to say, oh, yeah, I'll give my life for Christ. I'd die for Christ. Well, I hope so, but I don't know, and you don't know until the time comes. But I'd say this, if we're not willing to live for Christ today, I doubt we're willing to die for Christ tomorrow. And so the question is, are you living for Christ? Am I living for Christ today? There's a crown of life that is promised for those who will endure. The Bible says in 1 Thessalonians, there's a crown of rejoicing. That's a crown that is given, given to those who lead people to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. What, a, what an opportunity. What an opportunity to receive a crown because you told somebody about Jesus. I'm glad somebody told me about Jesus. I'm glad somebody told my dad about Jesus when he was a teenager in Rockford, Illinois. I'm glad somebody told my mom about Jesus when she was a teenager in Denver, Colorado. I'm glad that somebody told me and why would we not want to tell others how they could be saved as well? There's a crown, a crown of rejoicing that is promised for those who win souls for Christ. In 1 Peter, there's a crown of glory. Many times this is called a pastor's crown. I believe this is a, a crown for shepherds, for pastors, but I also believe it's a crown for those who lead, uh, those who teach a Sunday school class, those who have a ministry that God has entrusted people in your care. There is a crown uh, uh, that is promised, a crown of glory for those who lead God's people in the right way. 1 Corinthians 9, we looked, or we, I quoted a few verses there, but there's an incorruptible crown. It's the victor's crown. It's for those who have discipline. It's for those who have self-control. It is for those who deny the flesh. Now, if you've ever run uh, in a race or if you've ever run uh, in a, a sporting event, you know that for that runner to run in a race, there has been a whole lot of preparation before that race ever takes place. And do you think that person running the race, do you think they always felt like getting up in the morning and running? Do you think they felt like running when it was cold? You know, like 30 degrees or 40 degrees, like it's going to be, oh, wow. Do you, think they, do you think they felt like running when it was 95 degrees outside? No, of course not, but they do it anyway. Why? Because they're committed, because they're disciplined. And God is looking for those of us who will run the race, who will be committed even when we don't feel like it. By the way, I commend you this morning, you made it to church. And some of you didn't feel like it this morning. Some of you didn't feel like getting out of bed. Some of you had a lot of things to do that you could have stayed home to do, but you made the decision to come to church. And can I tell you, you're not always going to feel like coming to church. 2024, Satan's going to throw uh, some, 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 some obstacles in your way. Satan's going to try to keep you from reading the Bible and praying and being a witness and being a testimony. Satan's going to try to stop you. You're going to have to have some discipline. You're going to have to have some self-control to say, I'm going to deny my flesh and I'm going to yield myself to the Holy Spirit. Number one, I see the reward, the crowns. The last crown that is, uh, that is listed is found in 2 Timothy 4, verse 8. 
The Bible calls this a crown of righteousness. A crown of righteousness. Now, you say, well, what is a crown of righteousness? Well, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out. It's a crown that is given to those who are saved, those who are righteous, those who do what's right, those who live for God, and more specifically, those that love the appearing of Christ. Those that live every day and say, I want to do right today because I know Jesus could come back. I want to please him. I want to live for him. I want him to come and I want him to find me doing what I'm supposed to do. Righteousness is integrity. It is virtue. It is a purity of life. It is a correctness of thinking and feeling and acting. Proverbs 13, the Bible says that righteousness is going to keep you in the right way. You get up in the morning, you say, what am I going to do today? Just live for God. What about tomorrow? Just get up and live for God. What about the next day? Just get up and do what's right. You say, how do I know what is right? Well, this book right here is our instruction in righteousness. This book right here will tell you exactly what God wants you to do, how God wants you to live, what God wants you to know. This is our authority. If a pastor gets up and says, well, I, the Bible says this, but I think you ought to do something different. You ought to kick that pastor to the curb. Y'all say, we don't care what you think, buddy. We care what the Bible says. And we must do what is right. Righteousness exalteth a nation. But sin is a reproach to any people. You know why God has blessed our nation throughout the history? Because this was a nation that did what was right. This was a nation that was founded upon God and founded upon his word. But can I tell you, we are very quickly, we are going downhill fast because we've turned our backs on God. We've turned our backs on that which is right. Bob Jones Sr. was a great preacher of yesteryear and he was famous for many sayings. But one of those sayings, he said, just do right till the stars fall. And I want to tell you, you don't have to worry about what everybody else is doing. You don't have to worry about what's popular. You don't have to worry about what's trending. You don't have to worry about what's going viral. You just have to worry about doing right today and living for God today, and God will take care of the rest. We must do what is right. Ephesians 6 tells us to put on the breastplate of righteousness. That's how you fight the devil. That's how you get the victory over the devil. Every day you get up and say, Lord, help me to do what's right today. Lord, help me to follow your word today. Help me to live for you. God, I pray that you'd help me to do what's right because the world, the flesh, and the devil are all fighting against everything you're doing for God. We must do what is right. Quickly, I see number three in this passage, not only the reward and the righteousness that, that, that is required, but I see, thirdly, I see there is a righteous judge. Did you catch that in verse eight? Which the Lord the righteous judge shall give me at that day. Can you imagine if we picked someone in this auditorium, and certainly it wouldn't be the pastor, but could you imagine if we picked one person in this auditorium and we said, we're going to put our life in your hand. Every decision we make, everything we do, we're giving you the control. Anything that's going to happen to us, it's up to you. Are you getting nervous yet? 
And by the way, there's a lot of good folks in this room, but there's not anybody I'd want to give absolute authority over my life. You know why? Because none of us are perfect. We all make mistakes. We've all had errors in judgment. We've all said things that later on we said, I shouldn't have said that. We've all missed opportunities to do something that we should have done. But can I tell you, that's not the case with our God. He's never made a mistake. He's never done anything wrong. He has never committed an error. He is perfect. He is the righteous judge. Genesis 18, the question is asked, shall not the judge of the earth do right? And the answer is yes. And that's easy to say when it's somebody else's life and somebody else's situation. But I want to say this morning, in your life and in your situation and with what you're going through, God hasn't made a mistake. God hasn't messed up. God hasn't had an uh uh-oh. God is righteous and God is perfect and his way is perfect and you can trust him today. He is the righteous judge. Revelation 19. The Bible says when Jesus comes back that in righteousness he will judge and he will make war. God is always right. We're not. We make mistakes. But when things happen in our lives that are out of our control, I want to tell you this, they're never out of his control. He is the righteous judge. Fourthly, I see in this passage, I see the reason. Uh, Why? Why these crowns? Why are these crowns given? Why are these crowns awarded to us? Well, one, because God promised. God promised that there's a crown laid up for us. And and if God makes a promise, he always keeps his promise. But the reason for these crowns is, is for our faithfulness, for our obedience, for how we have served God, for how we have run the race. These crowns represent that which is eternal as opposed to that which is temporary. Revelation chapter 4, the Bible tells us what we will do with the crowns. When we stand before the judgment seat and God gives us these crowns for our service, the Bible says we will take the crowns and we will cast them at the feet of Jesus. You say, why would we do that? Because he is the only one worthy. He's the only one that's good. He's the only one that got us through. He's the one that gave us strength. He's the one that was faithful. He's the one that took care of us every step of the way. If you're living for God today, it's not in your power. It's in his power. It's not on your ability. It's on his ability. And so we'll take those crowns and we'll give them back to Christ as we worship him at that judgment seat. That's the reason for the crowns. Lastly, I'll give you this and I'm done. Fifthly, I see the requirement. What is required to receive a crown? It says in verse number eight that this crown was given to Paul, but also to those that love the appearing of Christ. That's powerful because sometimes we live as if we're not expecting Jesus to come back. Let's be honest. Some days we go through the whole day and all we think about is all that I've got to do and all that's on my mind, and all that's on my agenda, and all that's on my task list. And I think you need to get your task done. Don't get me wrong. But every day, there ought to be something burning inside of us saying, Jesus could come back today. And I hope he does come back. Can't wait to see him. Isn't that amazing? Every problem you have, that in a split second, it'll all be gone. 
When Jesus comes back, every problem, every burden, every worry you've ever had will be gone forever. Hallelujah. But we must live every day for his appearing. If you are a football fan, you know there was a game that was played last night, a very important game, a playoff game, between the Kansas City Chiefs and the Miami Dolphins. This game was played in Kansas City where the game started and the temperature, I believe it was five degrees below zero at the start of the game. That's not counting the wind chill and it just got colder after it started. But when I saw some of that game and I saw those players, first of all, I was not surprised that the players were there. Because if you made millions of dollars, I think you could play a game in negative five temperature and I think you'd be okay I think we all could deal with a certain amount if we're if you're making millions of dollars like those football players that's not the thing that surprised me you know what amazed me all the fans that paid money they weren't forced to go they chose to go and they paid good money to go and sit in the stands I, I think the number's right maybe somebody tell me afterwards I think it was 70,000 people maybe I'm wrong but there were Thousands of people in the stands for three plus hours. All I know is I went to bed at halftime because I'm tired and I knew I had to be in a good mood this morning. I didn't want you to bear the brunt of me staying up too late. But I know this, those fans, they went to that game to cheer on their team because there was something that motivated them. There was something in them that said, we want our team to win. We love our team. We are diehard. We are loyal. We are committed. And here's what I'm saying today. I think that every one of us, I think we ought to be diehard. I think we ought to be committed. I think we ought to say, I love Jesus so much that it's, he's not asking me too much to spend some time reading my Bible. He's not asking me to do too much to pray. He's not asking me too much just to live for him and be a testimony. He's not asking me too much to go to church. He's not asking me too much to give or to serve or to be a witness. Can I tell you, if you love him, and if I love him, we'll do it willingly. And nobody's going to have to come and twist your arm behind your back. Nobody's going to have to come and twist my arm. We're going to say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't have to serve him. I get to serve him. And what a privilege it is that we have to serve the Lord. There's a promise. There's a reward for all those that love, all those that are longing for and anticipating his coming. Because when he comes, we will see him. And what a day that is going to be. Thank you for listening to the preaching podcast of Victory Baptist Church in Roanoke Rapids, North Carolina led by Pastor Jeremy Coburnett. For more information about our ministry, please visit our website at vbcrr.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.